Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. In the world of sport, plenty to get through. And uh, the promise on time on is always your say on the news of the day. If you're just getting in the car, if you're just finishing work, if you're stuck in traffic or if you're waiting to ring in on 1300-736-736 and uh, give your opinion on the doings and goings-on of a day in sport. Now is the time, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text machine. Uh, plenty of sport at the moment going on, and in terms of where certain competitions sit and how they're unfolding, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty around uh, AFLW at the moment, NBL as well, uh, with COVID issues still continuing to wreak havoc. So we will keep you up to speed on those throughout the course of the evening as well. And we'll speak to uh, NBL Commissioner Jeremy Laliga about what is being implemented in terms of NBL with uh, what the situation unfolding in Perth is, what that means for the Wildcats. Uh, so plenty to get through. But, of course, Collingwood absolutely at the top of the uh, agenda Today, um, after the leaking of the Do Better report, um, the 18 recommendations that have been uh, put to Collingwood to take a leadership position in Australia and sport by confronting racism, that particular report uh, found that uh, there was a systemic racism within the Collingwood Football Club that must be addressed if things are to change. It was a 35-page independent report um, that the Collingwood Football Club fronted up to or were forced to front up to today, uh, probably ahead of what they, by the looks of it, what they were planning to address uh, what was entailed and uh, the timeline that it laid out and uh, the issues that it said uh, were underlying uh, within that report. Uh, It said there was a gap between what Collingwood Football Club says it stands for and what it does. Um, The claims of racism have been made across the AFL. There is something distinct and egregious about Collingwood's history. Um, It says that the club's response to repeated incidents of racism has been at best ineffective or at worst exacerbated uh, or at worst exacerbated the impact. It also praised Collingwood for um, for the uh, the way in which they were very adamant of the mirror being held up to itself. So there was praise for uh, Collingwood undergoing that review uh, from the people that conducted it. Uh, and the AFL have released a statement uh, in regards to the report as well, which uh, has just been released only uh, moments ago. And, uh, and it reads, uh, the AFL has today received the independent report from the Collingwood Football Club conducted by distinguished professor Alyssa uh, Berent from the University of Technology in Sydney, AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin said the AFL will now review the findings, a process to be led by AFL Executive General Manager, um, General Manager of Social Policy and Inclusion, Tanya Hosh, Tanya Hosh, and AFL General Counsel Andrew Dillon. The AFL received the report today and will now formally review the information and recommendations 
and to also consider what else we can and should do as the governing body. Mr McLaughlin said in commissioning an independent report, the Collingwood Football Club acknowledged it needed to take a different approach, a stronger direction when it comes to its processes of dealing with racism and ensured they recognise the seriousness of racism. The mistakes of the past show that racism in any form or on any level is a serious issue and should not be interpreted in any other way. This report is an important step in the change Collingwood is implementing and demonstrates the seriousness in which the club takes the issue. Um, The AFL Executive General Manager of Social Policy and Inclusion, Tanya Hosh, said, we all must continue to confront the issue of racism across all areas of the community. These are hard conversations we need to have in order to become better as clubs, as a code and as football community. We'll continue to strengthen our commitment to confront, understand and fight all forms of racism and discrimination on and off the field. If any player at any level of the game has been subject to vilification and not had the positive experience in football that we wish for all players to have, our commitment to you is to do everything in our power to listen to you, understand your experiences, support you and act against further incidences. Uh, incidents. The AFL will also listen to and learn from the report and will continue to work with clubs and players wherever our game is played to provide a safe and inclusive environment for all. The report highlights now being the report highlights now being the time for transparency, honesty and action and that is something we will need to take uh, on board. Uh, this is what some of this is some of what was said at that press conference today uh, starting with uh, President Eddie Maguire. This is an historic and proud day for the Collingwood Football Club. This is an area fraught with danger and recriminations. But we have decided as a club that this fight against racism, against discrimination of all types, is where we want to be. We make mistakes. We learn. We strive to be better. This is not criticism. This is a review that we asked to have. No. Well, it's very strong because we asked the organisation to go as hard as they possibly could to give us the base to be able to build the future of this club on. We didn't want to get platitudes, and there's plenty of things we could put on the table today of what we have done and what we do on a daily basis. But we wanted to seize the moment to look at what's happening in world affairs over the last 12 months in particular and to put ourselves in front of things. And sometimes, as we know in football clubs and sporting organisations, it's better to sit down and listen to the coach, give it to you right between the eyes so that you can step up to the plate to do what you want to do. If we were found wanting in the past, it wasn't because of intention. It might have been because of application or the systemic issues that we have in a football club because it is not BHB, it is a footy club. And we have to look at these things, but we're bigger than that. As I said in my introduction, we're a big club now. Men, women, different sports, all sorts of people in our community and supporters and sponsors. No, it didn't. In fact, the only decision I had on that was to make sure that I was here to make sure that we implement these things over the next 12 months. I'm absolutely dedicated, as I said at the time and continue to say today, to make sure that we roll out all these recommendations but also build build further on that. That's what I want to do in the next 12 months. So that was Eddie Maguire speaking at a press conference today. Uh, Collingwood officials uh, fronted the media for about 50 minutes. It was a fair grilling uh, that went on. Uh, this is off the back of the uh, the report being uh, leaked, and it was that leak uh, was detailed 
or the the, the leaked document uh, was detailed in a story by Mick Warner uh, in the Herald Sun. Uh, Jody Sizer was was part of the press conference today, uh, as well as uh, Mark Anderson as well. So I want to know from you today how that sat with you. you you've heard. You've heard different parts of what the report entailed. You've heard the response from the Collingwood Football Club. The words, a proud and historic day. How do they sit with you, given the subject matter that we're talking about, given the report that said that individuals have paid a high cost for speaking out against club racism? Uh, What is clear is that racism at that club has resulted in profound and enduring harm to First Nation and African players. The racism affected them, their communities, and set dangerous norms for the public. The report found that there was a perception that led to some to conclude Collingwood has been synonymous with off-field and on-field racism in Australian sport. As one person we spoke to said, if you look at every high-profile incident of racism in the game, Collingwood is is there somewhere. Uh, Collingwood received uh, the Do Better independent review into Collingwood Football Club's response to incidents of racism and cultural safety in the workplace report on December 17. Um, this is the first we've heard of it since, uh, or first we, we knew that it was there, we knew that it had been done, but we didn't know what it had found uh, until that report was leaked and, and we read the story today. Um, Heredia Lumumba uh, was not part of the review and it wasn't appropriate to review his allegations as he did not wish to engage in the process, um, but said a separate probe into his claims was was also warranted, the report found. So um, it's not doesn't make for great reading, the report itself, it uh, details incidents going back to 1970. Uh, Sid Jackson, then Nicky Winmar, um, comments made by Alan McAllister, uh, Essence Michael Long, Heredia Lumumba, Joel Wilkinson from the Gold Coast Suns, um, Eddie Maguire and Adam Goods, Heredia Lumumba again and, and, and so on. The recommendations, there were 18 of them um, and they included that the concepts of anti-racism and, and inclusion be integrated into the club's values the development of a framework for responding to incidents of racism that reflects its values in a way that is proactive, not reactive, the establishment of an expert group on anti-racism to advise and oversee policy creation and implementation, and the sharing of insights by the expert group with the AFL community and uh, and Australian sport more generally. Um, It also says that the Collingwood Football Club uh, review its processes for addressing the complaints uh, as well. So how does it sit with you, the report itself and what it found? Because there's there's three separate steps to this, isn't there? The issues that caused a report to be called for, what was included in the report itself, the response from the Collingwood Football Club once the report was tabled, and now today's response due to the leak of the story. Is it a proud and historic day? Is there a place to, uh, is there a place to applaud the club for identifying an area that they'd failed in over a long time? course of time, uh, to do something about that, to be proactive and try to remedy it, to learn from it, and then, as they say, to try and lead the way in that space? Or does it seem like spin to you? Is it? Can you separate all three or four steps of this or all up? Does it just not ring totally true to you with the term proud and historic day? Um, it certainly didn't sit comfortably, the term proud and historic, Um I think if this had been a situation where they'd said, we have stuffed up majorly in the past with certain things, we want to get a better understanding of why and how, this is an independent report that we're doing. The moment it was tabled to say, this is what it is, these are some of the key findings, we will be reading into these more, we'll be looking through the recommendations and then we will be fronting up to explain what they are, what they're about and what we're doing in regards to them. But this, 
was off the back of a leaked story today that that report found its way into the hands of Mick Warner and the story was written. And then today the response was, well, it's a proud and historic day. How did that ring true and where did that sit for you? This is your chance to have your say on the news of the day. And it's a complex situation and we ask that everybody's entitled to have their opinion on it and their view on it, but we ask that we just do it in a respectful tone because it, it is, it's easy just to throw mud and to say and, and criticise, but of course th- th- these are actually important and serious issues at the centre of this as well. So there are layers to this which make it very, very complex as well. Pete's in North Bourne. G'day, Pete. Yeah, right. uh, I'm just flabbergasted with Eddie's opening response for starters. And as you said, it is a, a delicate topic. So I will tread respectfully. He, Eddie's got uh, history here. And whether you agree with that or not, the facts are there with how he handled his comments he made on Adam Good's attending the uh, theatre. Yeah. He, he got away with bloody murder there. And I would have hoped that today didn't go along the path it did, but you could see the writing on the wall. And as soon as those words, proud and historic, came out, I thought, oh, here we go, here's this spin. They've taken no accountability whatsoever. And it's, I, I don't know why they bothered having the report. There was a... Um there was a part of the report that said that, uh, and I've got to get the exact phrasing right, but it certainly spoke to the fact that it seemed that in, in the past there had been, um, that there, that the club had tried to, I suppose, spin, that cared more about its image and media image than, than the actions or the issue of it itself. That was, and I've got to get the, the wording right, but there is, that is addressed the, the point that you make in that report to say that when these things had come up in the past, their belief was that the club had cared more about how it looked than, than what it was. Um, so that's why today just doesn't quite sit right as well for, for some people. And there are people calling uh, for Eddie Maguire. And Pete, thank you for your call. I really appreciate it. There are people today uh, calling for, for Eddie uh, to be sacked, Mark Robinson and um, some Greens Party senators as well and the leader of the Greens Party uh, as well. So there's certainly the response has been quite large to this today and we're here today to get your view uh, of it as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Brendan's in Horsham. G'day, Brendan. G'day, Sam. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. I, I'm, I have sent a text to two of my Collingwood supporters. I'm a long-time Collingwood Social Club member. I was very disappointed in the response today from the club. How, and also, I just want to clarify with you something. You said something about Sid Jackson. Can I clarify that? With what did you mean about that? They, they the, the report went back through incidences that had occurred during Collingwood's history, and they went right back to 1970, um, where Sid Jackson being booed by Magpie fans um, in the 1970 Grand Final. Again, I haven't read all through the report. I just know that well, it that, details that, incidences yeah. going back through history. So it's not something I said. It's something it, the report mentioned. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, I just wanted to clarify that because Sid Jackson, and this is a fact, Sid Jackson was reported for hitting Lee Adamson in the second semi-final in the 1970 Grand Final. And... Carlton came and played the racist card and Sid Jackson played. And he then, Sid Jackson came back later to say that they made it up and Lee Adamson didn't racially abuse him. 
Now, the Collingwood supporters probably did. I was only 10 at the time, but I'm a fanatical Collingwood person who lived in the country. The Collingwood supporters probably did, and if they boo and people boo, it's bullying and it shouldn't happen today, and I've probably been guilty of it in the past. Mm. But I just wanted to make sure that you weren't referring to the Sid Jackson incident where Lee Adamson was... uh, Sid Jackson was found not guilty of hitting Lee Adamson because it was deemed oak or the retaliation was in because of a racial slur. Lee Adamson had to put up with that racial slur on his name for many, many years until Sid Jackson and the Carlton Footy Club came up for it. As I said, I'm not happy with the way Eddie has conducted himself with this report. And as you said, the only reason they had a meeting today was because it was leaked out. Someone said enough is enough. And I think the history of Collingwood Club, the boys club has got to stop there. It's just gone back to the bad old days of the boys club. We need a new broom. I love your show and thank you for your time. Brendan, thank you so much for your call. I really appreciate it. And uh, as I said, I'm, I'm just going off uh, the, the timeline and, and Mick Warner's story detail, what the issues were that were referenced in, in that report. But I thank you uh, for, for your call. Um, Troy and Ross, uh, stay right there. Uh, your call's on the other side of this. We'll, we'll take a break and come back. Uh, stay with us, though. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say. Uh, on the news of the day, uh, Jeremy Laliga, when we change pace after 6.30, we'll just detail uh, what the COVID situation in Perth is doing to the NBL season. We'll get an update on how they're pivoting and being nimble in regards to that, the buzzwords of uh, the last 12 months of COVID, and it continues to have an impact on sport uh, around the country. So we'll see what the NBL are doing on the other side of that. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number on time on SEN. Weekdays from 6 CN, your home of sport. Time on. Welcome back to Time On, one 736 736 to have your say on the news of the day. It's what Time On's all about. And the big story is today, uh, the Collingwood Football Club, uh, the uh, 18 recommendations handed down uh, in a report that uh, was tabled to the Collingwood Football Club in December of last year. Uh, conducted by uh, Larissa Barrett, Professor Larissa Barrett uh, of the University of Technology in Sydney that found that there was uh, systemic racism uh, throughout Collingwood and throughout its history uh, that needed to be addressed and 18 recommendations have been handed down. That report was leaked. A story broke this morning. McWarner in the Herald Sun and today um, the press conference was called... Uh, Jerem- uh, Eddie Maguire, CEO Mark Anderson, uh, Peter Murphy and Jody Sizer as well, who is the club's first Indigenous board member, uh, got up and spoke. And we'll try and bring you some more of that audio as we uh, just get that cut up. And we're just asking you your say. And how does it sit with you? Um, is the club to be applauded for looking at, into the, well, holding the mirror up to itself and uh, con- getting this report conducted? Um, or... It, does it just seem like spin to you? And does it, does the way in which you was presented today sit comfortably with you after Eddie McGuire said it was a proud and historic day for the club? Uh, Collingwood fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, but football fans as well. And this is not a, a about Collingwood bashing uh, just because it's easy to do that at times and it's easy to bash Eddie McGuire. These are important issues. These are uh, sensitive issues. These are complex and complicated issues. Um, and there's multiple issues within this as well. The 18 recommendations 
what led to the report, the report itself, the way in which it's been handled since, and the way that today was handled. How does it sit with you? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jeremy Laliga to join me after six thirty to talk uh, NBL and how they are moving Welcome forward on this season. Ross Network. is in East Melbourne. Ross, your you are thoughts? Connected to Noah Melbourne. Uh, I reckon I'm a twenty plus year Collingwood member. I'm not that old. I'm only in my mid twenties, but um, I just thought that the the whole the report itself. Had some, I actually read through it. Um, it had some really good intentions and things to do as a football club and things about, you know, righting the wrongs of the past and all that, which is, and, you know, uh, being proactive and, and step forward. Um, but I just thought the handling of it all was just absolutely diabolical. And it probably is just another example of how Eddie and, I guess, his administration, his board, his led, um, has just really just misread the room on this situation time and time and time again. And I'm sort of a bit sick of it. And in terms of Indigenous footballers, um, yeah, as I said, I'm only I'm 26 years old. So the, the first Indigenous, indigenous footballer that I can remember, remember playing for Collingwood was Leon Davis. Davis. Mm. Um, mm. Um, and then and then I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid being like my old man and saying, oh, you know, who were some of the other Indigenous players we had in general? Leon and... Um, there's Robbie Armat who played at Sydney as well and then there was a guy called Wally Lovett who played a season at Collingwood in the 80s and no one knew he was Aboriginal until years afterwards um, in terms of you know it wasn't known at the time when he played at Collingwood that he was Indigenous so Collingwood hasn't had a fantastic history of actually drafting Indigenous footballers and if you have a look over the last decade in particular I think you'll find that there's two players who Collingwood have drafted in the national draft, not in the rookie draft, or not brought in by trades like guys like Daniel Wells and Travis Varco. So I think that that's more of an issue going forward is is what 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 is the club actually done? What's the club actually going to do? Because this is, um, that, that's, you know, something that's sort of going a bit of a miss today. Um, Eddie's sort of made it all about himself again. And I think, you know, he's he's got a lot of egg on his face. And as a as a someone who's is a paid up member and you know a relatively frustrated supporter that you know the club isn't doing what it should be doing um, and actually putting the club first and instead we sort of seem to be um, you know bowing down to Eddie and, and people are still out there sort of um, on you know saying that he's done you know he's done the right thing this is kind of this is the last straw this is you know today was a day to be you know concise and you know remorseful and mm. apologetic but he just came out and said that it was a proud day for the football club like i mean read the room like, mm. it's just not it is not like that at all and as he said it's not like this report was published by the club the club has been sitting on this for six weeks or the director has been sitting on this for six weeks this was leaked obviously this has come from a board leak to someone uh, to mick warner at the, the herald sun uh, the AGM is tomorrow night, so I don't know if this was particularly done by a particular board member um, to inflict damage on Eddie or what, what was done, but I think Eddie did enough damage to himself today to basically override anything that any board member would have leaked to the media. But I just think the handling of the whole situation has just been very, very poor. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of... I don't think Collingwood is a... You know, I think it's unfair to single out Collingwood as a, as a you know as, as being racist. I don't think you know to, to 
bit more of a sensitive issue and there's a lot more layers to it than this. But I just think the handling of it um, by by Eddie in particular has just been absolutely woeful. Absolutely woeful. And this is the biggest news story in the country today. Like, it's not even the biggest football story. It's the biggest news story. It's every paper, every news mm. bulletin. I'm sure on TV tonight it'll be the number one thing. In the morning, everyone's going to be talking about this. Like, as a fan, it's, it's really frustrating. And as someone that wants to see Collingwood win another premiership, um, I'd rather us be focused on, on that rather than be focused on sort of covering up for Eddie's, mm. Eddie's um, you know, Silly, silly comments. Like his opening comment today was was awful. It was absolutely awful. Like I think he said, it was a proud and historic day for the football club. Proud and historic is when you know your football club wins a premiership. It's not when your football club has to write a review into um, in, into how it's treated Indigenous people in the past and how it's dealt with the matters. That's not proud and historic. Um, hey Ross, oh, I, 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 I hear the passion, the mate, and I absolutely appreciate. It. I've got a fair few people that are, that are lined up, but uh, I didn't want to cut you off. But uh, mate, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, and it's really strong to say that this is more important than any premiership in terms of your football club. And I, I really appreciate the openness and honesty uh, and, and your passion for it. Uh, thank you very much for the call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That's the tone and the sentiment, isn't it? That this could have been a day where that conciliatory tone was taken. It wasn't to, uh, that a, a newspaper had got the report and ran that story leaked ahead of time. And the Collingwood did say they were getting to that. They were going through it themselves. They were getting their response ready. They were doing all that stuff. And I, and you take that on face value. But it could have been a thing today to say what's led to this report having to be made where, you know, is not okay. The fact that we've had to have a report done is not okay. That that these things have gone on are not okay. But here's what we're going to do about it. We are so sorry. We are, you know, that, that could have really been the tone. And then you are leaders in the space, aren't you? Then you are the, the trailblazers in the space to say, we have got a bad track record here and this report pulls no punches and we didn't ask for any to be pulled. We wanted the mirror held up to we say ourselves and what we saw we didn't like. Um, and here's what we're going to do about it. And uh, here's what we're hoping we can all do about it. Um, and we are, you know, and that word, sorry, um, whether there's legal reasons why they can't, I'm not sure with what's happening with Heredia Lumumba, but it could have been overall a generalised, you know, conciliatory tone uh, as well. So there are parts to this that, for Collingwood that you do applaud and that you do say doing something is better than just doing nothing. But that tone of today, yeah, it just didn't sit, did it? It just didn't hit the mark. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dom's in Burwood. G'day, Dom. Yeah, g'day. Um, I'm just staggered with the whole thing. I mean, I'm a Carlton supporter. I, my greatest day was the 1970 grand final. Like, they've gone back to Sid Jackson in 1970, Nicky Winmar in 1983, um, Michael Long in 1985, and they talk about systemic racism. What do you reckon it'd be like if every other club, they did a 50-year check of their racist events that have happened. I mean, the whole, I mean, society 25 years ago was terrible the way we treated Indigenous players. But a couple of points. Harry Lumumba wasn't even interviewed because he didn't want to be. I'd I'd like to know who they interviewed. And I've just gone through Leon Davis, Richard Cole, Chris Egan, Brad Dick, Shannon Cox, Wellingham, Andrew Cracker, Tony Armstrong, Travis Farco, Daniel Wells. I like to know: Did they experience racism when they were at Collingwood? I mean, it just—it just really, the whole report just seems just really, really strange. 
I just just don't don't quite get it. Is it still so? Is Collingwood the last three or four years just this club that's full of racism and anyone there who's you know not uh, Anglo-Saxon is just abused? I mean, I, I just find it really quite quite strange. I th- I think part of it, and when you read through the the, the report that uh, or the stories that that have a, a fair part of the report in them. Uh, Dom, you'll see that it's 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 not just the incidences that have occurred; it's the response uh, from you, the football club. So it's the response. Have you have you, have you read the full report, the thirty-five pages, or I, can I you get it online? I, I haven't been able to to get the my hands it's on not, the full report, so I'm going off excerpts. I'm going off excerpts, yeah, that but but what what it's talking about, Dom, is is is, and that what Collingwood acknowledged today was that their responses to these things they treated as individual things that they just tried to move through, as opposed to an overriding issue about the, the the processes they had in place to deal with them, the way they were dealt with. Um, the report found that the way in which that they cared more about the perception of these issues than the actual issues themselves. These are the things that, that Collingwood are acknowledging weren't done correctly as well and what the report acknowledges. And, and as for what those people and what their experiences were uh, that you mentioned, I can't speak on their behalf, but we have yeah, reached out to be- one or two and to see if they, they are keen to be able to come on to have a chat. But, Dom, thank you so much for the call. I, I've got Jeremy Laliga waiting, mate. Uh, thank you for ringing. I really appreciate it. one three hundred. 736 736 is the number. Uh, we'll just change tact for just a moment. There are other things making news today, and there's some competitions that are even a year on and over a year on from um, when COVID first introduced itself to us. Um, we're still finding it's having a, a serious impact on the way in which sport is unfolding uh, at the moment. So we'll get the NBL's response to the situation in Perth. And Jeremy Laliga, the commissioner, will do that with us. There's a heap of texts that are coming through. 0433 98 uh, 1116. Uh, 1300 736 736 is the number. Time on SEN. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Welcome back to Time On. 1300 736 736 is the number. Uh, keep your calls coming through. We're just going to change gears for just a moment. Time on, of course, your say on the news of the day. And Collingwood is a, a very big story. Uh, and the response to their report today, the leaking of that story in the press conference that ensued, uh, has been getting a really big reaction. Uh, there is other sport going on around the country as well. And uh, to the person that texted in, and I just had to end some of the calls we had a little quicker than we would have liked, uh, who just said I was weak as P155 and I should have kept the last caller on. Certainly apologise. It was no disrespect intended, but we've got Jeremy Laliga uh, ready and raring to go on the line as we find out uh, just what the NBL is having to do to to be nimble, to pivot, uh, to continue to keep a season alive after COVID reared uh, its ugly head again. Uh, a case uh, that uh, could have some serious ramifications for it, and there's certainly a lot of close contacts to the one positive test in Perth has uh, put the uh, AFLW uh, into some disarray, so too the BBL finals and so too the NBL. So the commissioner, always so generous with his time, has been good enough to jump on the line. Hello, Jeremy. G'day, Sam. Good to talk to you and thanks for taking an interest this close to the season. It's been an absolute bumper so far and we're just riding another one of those, those little turbulent waves again uh, into round four, but that's okay. We'll overcome it. I, uh, I remember you speaking before the season started that you, you, you'd lost count of how many different schedules and draws that you'd had to draw up and throw in the bin and redo uh, given everything that COVID was dishing up. Uh, so here you go again. Um, just take us through what the situation currently is for the Perth Wildcats who had a, a game postponed because of the positive test, where they're at and, uh, 
and what's happening with the rest of and any other affected games coming into round four? Yeah, look, they were scheduled to play a game yesterday against New Zealand in Perth, which was ironically postponed because a few of the players from New Zealand uh, had colds and coughs, and, and so we thought it prudent that they shouldn't travel in, in uh, accordance with travel guidelines of the state and the airlines. So they remained in South Australia, which is probably just as well because only 24 hours later, we, of course, find out that pretty much everyone's closing their borders to Western Australia and... Uh, had New Zealand travelled there for the game on Sunday, they would they would now be in the same position as the Wildcats, which is having to relocate yet again. I think this is now the, the fifth or sixth team that we've had to relocate for at least some period of time in order to ensure that uh, the best part of our schedule remains intact. And so whilst we've had to postpone that game from Sunday, and we're also postponing the game that was due to be played in Perth this coming Friday, um, we are otherwise hopeful that most things will otherwise remain unchanged. And at present, the Wildcats have, have flown into Sydney and we're doing everything we can at the moment to ensure that uh, they'll be able to play their game against Melbourne United in Bendigo uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, I loved seeing uh, the NBL uh, in Bendigo, by the way. It was uh, my hometown and it was just great to see the response. And we'll talk about that uh, in just a minute. But um, does it... Does the flow on here, is there concerns or is it is it the, the need to take that kind of decisive and quick action that keeps things like the 36-game festival that's uh, a couple of weeks away from getting going in Melbourne, it keeps that uh, alive and, and doable? That's absolutely right. We've, we've acted as swiftly as we could in the circumstances, um, make sure that we had somewhere to fly them into that was that was safe and welcoming and uh, and then you'd need to jump through some of the procedural hoops from there to make sure that they're that they are where they need to be in order to play their next game. So and you've got to be very, very nimble at the moment. Um, you've got to be willing to, to change, and there will be some changes to the schedule as a result of this. So uh, there shouldn't be um, major changes to anything that's already been published. But as you know, we're releasing schedule at the moment on a, a weekly basis with a two-week rolling schedule made available to the public and this has proven uh, that that's probably a good thing to do because some of those games that haven't yet been published but which we had penciled in will need to change as a result. But thankfully, that will have minimal disruption on the public uh, because they hadn't yet been published, but it is having a very considerable impact on our teams. And so they've been extremely cooperative and, and gracious, I've got to say, in terms of being as flexible as they are and accommodating what are absolutely less than um, than ideal uh, scheduling arrangements, but everyone's just very keen to get through this season as best we can and in front of as many fans as possible. So with the South East Melbourne Phoenix, given that they've played Melbourne United since playing uh, the Wildcats, mm-hmm. and you might have touched on it just before, but does, it, does that have an effect now on Melbourne United? Do Melbourne United need to quarantine or, or lock down or, or, no. or anything like that? Is that how far this goes or...? And Melbourne United aren't required to do anything further at this stage. The players from South East Melbourne Phoenix are required to test, I believe. Um, and uh, um, I think they're not training until they've returned a negative test, which will be pretty prompt. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, then they'll be given the all clear to go back. Assuming everything comes back negative, they'll be given the all clear to resume training as well. But no, it doesn't extend as far as Melbourne United. Unless, of course, something would happen 
you know, in, the, in respect of southeast Melbourne, if, if anyone did return a positive test, then of course you would need to then consider Melbourne United close contact, I would imagine, and go through the testing process with them also. So Friday's round four game, Perth and New Zealand, RAC Arena, that's postponed. Thursday night's scheduled game between the Bullets and the United uh, and Melbourne United, that's now going to Friday. And then Cairns and New Zealand uh, will play in Cairns uh, this Saturday. So that's great that those can uh, un- unfold like that. Um, how... I mean, I'm fascinated to know how many backup plans on backup plans do do you have given what's going on in the world at the moment, Jeremy? It's it's very difficult to have backup plans um, in a in a fixed sense. Uh, you, you have to have a backup plan, I guess, insofar as a willingness to change. But I mean, take take the one case in Western Australia as a really good example. It's one case, and so there's really no. Um, predicting how each state is going to react to that. Not with any degree of certainty anyway. I mean, yesterday we were thinking, well, one case, maybe a couple of states will close their borders, but hopefully the Wildcats will still be able to jump on a plane and come into Victoria. Now, that that isn't the case unless we go through a pretty rigorous testing um, and exemption process. So we're going through all of those processes now. But I guess it was a flip of a coin as to which Premier and Chief Health Officer reacts which way and which states are going to be open and which states are going to be closed. So you really just have to work with the the hand that's been dealt with you as each one of these instances arises um, and and go from there. That's that's all you can do. Uh, I certainly don't envy you. So any changes to, to fixtures sort of moving forward over the next couple of rounds before everybody converges on Melbourne just to make sure that everybody gets to Melbourne in 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 the timely manner and in an unaffected manner? Look, there probably will be, but as I said, they're, they're not fixtures that will affect the public because they're not games that are, for the most part, games that have been on sale anyway, other than some games, I guess, that were scheduled uh, back in the first iteration of the, of the schedule and, and the, that was released to the public and a few games went on sale. So we're trying to minimise any disruption in respect of games that were already on sale and move around those pieces uh, that, that won't have an impact on the public. Now, uh, that may not be the case. We may have to move one or two games or change an opponent here or there, but we, we try and do whatever we can to mitigate the effect on, on the public. And as, again, the clubs are incredibly... Uh, cooperative and adaptive in terms of trying to do the same and, and minimise impact on even the other clubs' fans, which is great. And it's exactly the spirit of the competition that we're we're so proud of. Um, you mentioned earlier the flow and consequences for this coming round and uh, Brisbane's game being shifted from Thursday night to Friday night uh, is, I guess, the most significant. Um, and we apologise for it, but it's uh, it's for the benefit for the longer term of the schedule and we have to do as much as we can now to fit these games in prior to the hub so that we're not putting too much pressure on the schedule for the back half of the season after the hub. And uh, I tell you what, though, we're looking forward to getting all nine teams into Victoria and having essentially three and a half, four weeks of, uh, of steady time to, to play a huge number of games in controlled circumstances and hopefully that'll buy us time to be able to cement in the rest of the schedule with a bit of certainty. Yeah, we're absolutely looking forward to that. And I think uh, all the players are too. Um, It's going to be just brilliant to have that festival of basketball happening in Melbourne. Just a question off the text, Jeremy, in terms of Sydney now, is how close are we to getting games uh, going uh, in terms of Sydney and and New South Wales more, more broadly? 
I think we're very close. I think there's a very real prospect of seeing games in New South Wales prior to the hub. Um, I think there's a prospect of, of games both uh, in Wollongong featuring the Hawks and in Sydney featuring the Kings. And so we're continuing to work with their respective, uh, or with the New South Wales Health Department uh, and their respective venues to, to, try and, uh, to try and get some live basketball away in New South Wales before the hub. Jeremy, you're always so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. Congrats on what you've been able to do with the season so far. There's been some brilliant basketball played. It's been just very, very high-caliber stuff, and we can't wait for the festival to kick off in Melbourne. Um, congrats to you and all the team for, for the work that you're doing. It's, um, it's brilliant. Thank you very much, Sam. It really has been a cracking start to the season, and, and uh, let's just cross our fingers and hope that it can continue in that vein because the quality of basketball so far this season has been just as good as we've ever seen, if not better. And uh, long may those close finishes continue. Absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, the Commissioner of the NBL, Jeremy LaLiga. Uh, I don't know if he's ever said no to, to coming on for a chat. Uh, he's a very, very good man and doing a, a ripping job. And um, basketball just continues to go from strength to strength. So in terms of um, Big Bash, Perth Scorchers now, their home final that they were going to have at Opta Stadium, the, the challenger, after they lost the... Um, the, their final between the Sixers uh, and themselves. Um, the, jeez, uh, oh, I've just forgotten the name. It was the, uh, what, where, how do they go again? It's the Eliminator. Um, I'll get it. It's just in the back of my mind. Um, anyway, we'll get to it. Anyway, it was the, the uh, their final, the qualifier. That's uh, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, they lost the qualifier to the Sixers. Uh, they were going to get a home final, and uh, no dice now. That will be at Monica against the the Brisbane Heat. We'll speak to Chuck Berry throughout the course of the evening uh, about the uh, first three games of finals and what we can expect from the next two and some of the issues that are in around cricket uh, at the moment. And um, from an AFLW point of view, it, it's having a, an impact as well. Um, I'll get that press release up. In, in just a moment. But uh, the Giants and Adelaide got out of Perth and then uh, the Giants now and back to Sydney to um, to try and figure out what's the next step for them. Um, it's, uh, it's just extraordinary uh, how quickly these decisions are having to be made and just how flexible um, everybody involved is is having to be. And, and given too that, especially for the AFLW, I mean, they're semi-professional. So having to get time off work and having to... Um, try and navigate that with um, your employer. must be very difficult as well. Uh, Pepper Randall from the Giants is going to join us uh, later on this evening uh, as well. Still time to take your calls and text. one 736 736 is the number. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Sam Hargraves with you this evening. one 736 736 Before we head into Sporting Capital, Troy uh, from WA has given us a quick call. Good day, mate. Hello, Sammy. Hello, how are you today, Sammy? Oh, sorry, Sam. I just got to take my mask off. Um, you there? Yeah, I am, mate. I've got a bit. We've got about thirty seconds before we've got to hit the hard uh, oh, out, well, mate. So I'll jump get, in. I'll get, I'll get stuck in Eddie McGuire. Then he he's got no intention of doing anything, mate, because it's going to take more than his time there to change it around. And Eddie's just full of words. And no action, and the sooner he leaves the AFL, the better everybody will be. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Troy. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, Eddie has said that despite some people calling for him to stand down, given that the findings of this report that he's committed to seeing out the last 12 months and making sure that every one of these 18 recommendations is implemented, um, that was part of the, the press conference today. He said they're not a mean-spirited club, and yet mistakes had been made, uh, but they wanted to uh, become a, a leader in this space. So he wants to make sure that all those things 
uh, all those recommendations, the 18 of them, are uh, implemented uh, before he finishes up at the Collingwood Football Club. Keep having your say on that and a whole lot more. Um, in terms of those AFLW games, all matches uh, remain on schedule apart from the ones involving the Crows, the Giants, the Dockers and West Coast. They'll be determined in due course as they liaise with health officials. Uh, plenty coming up in the next hour. We'll do the good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend in sport. You can continue to have your say on the Collingwood situation as well, um, we'll speak to Chuck Berry, uh, Josh Bruce from the Western Bulldogs, Isaac Humphrey from the Adelaide 36ers, just to name uh, a couple. Uh, and also, too, we will speak to Pepper Randall from the Giants just to find out uh, how they're travelling at the moment. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.